Hello, and welcome to the Gears and Chronos podcast. My name is Alexander. Hi, everyone. My name is Dennis. Thank you for tuning in. So what uh, watch are you wearing today, Dennis? Uh, so today I am actually wearing, uh, I just got this uh, like last week. It's a, a Casio um, F91W. So it's like $11 on Amazon. Uh, it's a digital watch. It has a stopwatch function. It has like a small green LED that is so you can see the time at night. <laughs> um, it's fully, it's all black. Um, I think it's just black rubber. It's, it's uh, pretty cheap, um, but it's a, it's a great beater watch. I don't have to care about it. You know, it's just, it's just there and it, it tells time. So that's pretty much all I need. Um, but it, it's, it's kind of cheap feeling though. I'm not going to lie. Um, but for $11, I feel like it's a pretty, pretty decent buy. Um, what about you? What are you wearing today? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I'm wearing my, uh, uh, JLC, uh, memo box that I, uh, had, uh, uh, re, re, uh, refurbished, uh, earlier this year. So I'm been wearing that a lot lately. Awesome. Awesome. And you said that was your, uh, grandfather's watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, 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 uh, wore it when he, uh, commuted to new york city back in the mm-hmm. 60s and 70s to get to have a reminder to get off the train so it's definitely cool to have that as a yeah as a family heirloom yeah it's super cool and and the patina on it is really sick too it's got like that green tint to it yeah it's it's definitely kind of um unusual like how the patina gives each each a uh, vintage watch a character of their own Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's super cool. Um, so I, I guess you can go ahead and, and just you know tell a little bit about yourself, uh, and then I'll, I'll I'll just go right after. You know, we just talk about what we're interested in, um, our, our tastes, and uh, maybe a little bit about our background as well. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. So I've been into watches for as long as I can remember. I always had a an interest in 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 watches and i ha- we had a um a t- trade show that we go to every year uh for my dad's um military jeep business and there's a guy there he had military vintage military watches from like the world war ii era up to vietnam and i would always go check on the watches there and you could hear him winding up the gears and everything like that and like you could see the faces with the patina on them and that just kind of got me interested in that but i obviously never really had the money then to really pursue it. But, mm-hmm. uh, years, years later, I was able to buy a Gerard Perigo from the mid, uh, mid to late sixties from eBay. And that kind of got my actual watch collecting started to put, uh, had a Hamilton, uh, khaki automatic as kind of a daily and yeah. recently got a, uh, he, trying to remember the name of it the, oh yeah the hamilton uh no sorry not the uh timex the timex, right? the yeah, timex yeah. q uh hodinkee edition which i've been wearing as of uh late on the week during the week mm-hmm. yeah that thing is, is is awesome man how do you like it so far it's been it's been good it's um the, the only thing that's kind of annoying is the bracelet kind of pulls your your hair on your wrist so that's kind of mm-hmm. frustrating but uh i'm if i depend, depending on how long i keep it or not I, i'll probably change the the uh bracelet to probably a nato or something 
Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah that would look that would look awesome even like a rubber strap would like it would look kind of cool on that yeah thanks man but yeah that's pretty much uh up to date with with uh me and then obviously also we both have our uh interest in uh cars which goes back uh to childhood as well but i guess we could touch on that at another point but uh how about you dennis yeah so for for me i i was never really into watches um i uh you know my mom is is a big watch person so she wears a watch every day uh but for me i i you know i just have my phone most of the time i don't even if i'm wearing a watch i just look at my phone um but it it's gotten to the point where uh, I see a lot of similarities in the watch industry and the watch market to a lot of my other interests, uh, such as cars. And, um, you know, I used to resell a lot of, uh, you know, like clothing and shoes and, and whatnot. So um, in that sense, it kind of got me into watches and appreciating stuff for what they are. Uh, you know, I'm not the most intelligent uh, for, you know, if you're talking about specifics or, or movement and whatever, but um, I appreciate a good looking watch and that's what I look for in a watch. Just, you know, things, if it just looks good and it functions perfectly fine, I, I think that's, that's good enough for me. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm trying to learn a little bit more and, and you're helping out a lot uh, and you're really putting me on to a lot of stuff that I just didn't know about. And I, you know, I don't even know where to look for a lot of this information. You know, it's, it, it just takes a lot of time to accumulate. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm more of a, a car guy and that's where I spend, spent most of my time. Um, but I, I'm just constantly learning about watches, which is really cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, that, that's pretty much it. And, uh, I'm just saving my uh, my pennies right now because that new Speedy is really cool. So, <laughs> oh yeah, that's a that's a that's a really cool watch, especially with that brand new movement. Yeah, yeah, and, and the the new bracelet is sweet. It looks awesome. Um, so uh, yeah, we'll we'll see, we'll see. I'll, I'll try to get my money together, and then um, maybe it'll work something out. But yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. Um. So should we uh, dive into the uh, main topic? Sure. Yeah, that, that's fine. If you if you want to get started on that. So today we're going to be talking about kind of the state of the the market. So we have a a big year of change last year, and we're going to kind of delve into that. So you obviously have the the backdrop of obviously the pandemic and a lot of changes in the watch industry such as the lack of um the industry uh mm -hmm. trade shows and kind of how the the new releases have changed quite a bit so we're going to kind of delve into that a little bit um do you want to start dennis sure yeah so i think last year um not just the watch industry it's been you know crazy year for everybody um, and you know, people, a lot of people, you know, lost jobs. A lot of people, um, were in, you know, hardship, but there were also a lot of opportunities outside of that. Um, and I, I was reading an article on, um, Chrono 24 and all of their stats, such as, um, you know, like number of checkouts, uh, time spent on the website, all of these metrics, uh, that they gathered from their site are, were, you know, 
way higher than they used to be. And uh, obviously when March hit, um, the, there was a severe drop because everybody was insured, didn't know what to do. And uh, most likely everybody was spending their money on like toilet paper or you know, Lysol wipes or, you know, stuff like that. Um, but going through the year, you saw a lot of people starting to pay, you know, over market value for a lot of watches. And uh, I think that's really interesting, especially when um, it, there's a global pandemic going on. Um, and there's still a, a very high demand, even now, you know, for these high ticket items. Um, and I just think that's like really, really interesting. So I, it definitely carried over into this year. And I think nothing has really changed in the in the watch market since the pandemic hit. It's everything everything that's that was hot is still hot, and um, I I don't know if it's going to change anytime soon. You know? Yeah, I, t- I totally totally agree with you. It's definitely um, especially with in super hot in demand uh, watches. Those are always going to be the big ticket items, but especially now when people can't go out and actually go in person to the AD a lot of the times, it makes it a lot tougher. And also since no one has, a lot of people don't have anything to do, especially if they're at home, they want their craving getting that new uh, watch uh, a lot more. Mm-hmm. So it definitely heightens that, that need and that yeah. want for that new timepiece. Yeah. And I, I guess also people are more willing to pay, you know, uh, over retail or over sticker um, because it's easier to buy online. Like instead of, you know, driving to the AD and, and going to the store, you could just order off the uh, some guy's website and it will get shipped straight to you. Um, so I think there is like a, a convenience factor to that as well that just made people want to buy online more. But, you know, obviously when you're buying online, you're buying from like a private seller or a, um, you know, a reseller. So, um, you know, I, I don't, you know, see anything wrong with that. That's just business, but um, it's just really interesting to to see stuff like that. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And and then you have like some of like the the releases this year, which are definitely kind of mm-hmm. out of the the ordinary. Because like a lot of because early because I've been doing some research on some of the the different watch sites and you see like a lot of like the the the, uh manufacturers like jlc doing direct to consumer like on their website so you can actually literally buy off their website Mm -hmm. whereas you have more traditional manufacturers like patek philippe and like rolex uh and also obviously the sister brand tudor Mm -hmm. where you can't buy it all on their website and you have like the majorly hyped usually in-person debuts and releases usually months later but then this year you see uh rolex trying out the same day um availability which was like unheard of in years yeah yeah oh sorry um do you think that is the future you know like same day availability or um, being to being able to just purchase straight from the manufacturer's website and get it sent to you, um, do you think they you know they'll cut out the middleman and and eventually phase out ads? I, I don't know uh, what you think about that. Personally, with 
brands like Patek Philippe and Rolex, I don't really see that happening just because that's kind of the way that they've always done things. And those brands are much more traditional mm-hmm. in the the way that they do their sales to the consumer. And I remember, I, th- I think it was last year where they were doing a big push for their 80s and showing how much they're there for them f- during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And it really shows like how much they want to keep that line in place where you have them selling the watches directly to the ad and then the ad selling it to the consumer and i think that that definitely really works well with those brands just because they're very old school and traditional and there's like that Mm -hmm. specialness to it that you get from picking it up at the ad like the champagne Mm -hmm. and like the kind of celebratory thing that you get with that that you would only get with that because there is nothing that can replicate that if you order online. So I think that'll always be in place. But I think the, obviously like the the big conglomerates like a Richemont group mm-hmm. or um, the Swatch group, you're going to have them obviously going more the less traditional uh, via the online sales. And I think that'll continue to obviously grow. But I think it's just Patek and Rolex, I think that they'll continue to stay like that for a while how about yourself no i i think i agree especially for those um high or more traditional brands um i think it's probably i think 80s are going to be phased out uh eventually um because a lot of people are talking you know even with like car dealerships you know those are those will be phased out uh one day and i think it's going to be the same if you're able to um, buy the same watch, you know, obviously if you're, you're buying a, you know, something very, very special, then that's a different story. But even if you're buying something as you know simple as, uh, you know, like a Rolex, like a Submariner, you know, I feel like you, it's perfectly fine to just buy it online because you know what you're buying. Uh, obviously you don't have that same customer service, but, um, I, I feel like more and more people are valuing that customer service less, um, especially for a watch that's, you know, maybe like 10,000 or sub $10,000. Um, obviously if you're spending, uh, <laughs> like the price of a car on, on a watch, then I would probably expect more of a personalized, uh, experience. Um, but personally, I, I think it's, it's going to be phased out eventually. Um, but who knows when I, I'm still a sucker for that kind of stuff too, though. <laughs> so I, you know, I love visiting the AD and talking to people and, um, it's just not the same as buying online, like you said. Um, but I, eventually I think it's going to catch up and, uh, you probably be able to just get everything online. No problem. So. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a, um, an interesting dynamic because you want to be able to have everyone have access to your timepieces, but you also want to have that level of exclusivity. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, uh, and I, I feel like that level of exclusivity is um, sort of frowned upon, uh, especially with watches that are hard to get. A lot of people are, you know, they're they're frustrated. Even like last year, you know, obviously with the the Oyster Perpetual release, it's it's a pretty simple watch, and it's kind of a low end Rolex, and it, you're you're not able to even go to the AD and get one. So. I understand how it is kind of frustrating. 
um, if they were able to just sell online direct to consumer, uh, they'd probably be able to satisfy demand. But I, I think since they're going through the AD, it's a little bit, um, uh, you know, there's like a, a bottleneck, I guess, you know, the supply is a lot more limited. They have to wait for inventory. Um, so I, you know, eventually I, I think, you know, stuff like that would be easier and it would satisfy a lot, a lot more consumers, but, um, it, it's, you know, I, I'm not complaining. I, I understand, but, um, it, it's just how it is. That's how you have to buy it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's tough, man. Just buying a simple watch, it shouldn't be that hard, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely you see people flocking to other brands because they can't mm. get what they want from Rolex, which I feel like is definitely a lot of missed opportunity on Rolex's part. But then again, at the same time, when you have a brand like Rolex that has so much cachet mm-hmm. and it's probably one of the only brands out there, at least I can think of that when someone is asked like, uh, what's a good brand to buy if I want to buy a nice watch for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. x anniversary or someone's birthday or something like that then they're gonna say rolex even if they know nothing about watches so there's like that big cachet and that big name recognition so i feel like that yeah. specialness with rolex i feel like is very important because it's usually always a because uh as far as i can tell it seems like no one's gonna forget the day that they bought their first rolex mm-hmm. uh, so mm-hmm. it's like always a kind of a big deal and mm-hmm. i feel like that that in-person celebratory um, purchase day or the day you go to pick it up is a very important part of that whole uh, process. Yeah, no, I, d- I definitely agree. Um, I, you know, obviously what you buy online, it just shows up your house and you know, that's it. Um, but uh, you know, last year we, we saw a huge increase in demand for, uh, steel watches. So, um, I don't know if, if you want to touch on that. Yeah. The, um, yeah, you definitely, you definitely see a lot more of the, um, like the sports type watches that a lot of people are, uh, definitely seem to be gravitating more towards cause you see just so many brands, obviously, um, Tudor with their black Bay 58, the Navy, I mean, that was a huge release. Um, I mean, and that's under a little, a little under $4,000. I mean, which is no, by, by no means a, a cheap watch, but I mean, it's definitely a more accessible price point for a lot of watch enthusiasts. And then you obviously have the, the Oris, uh, Aquas, uh, with their sports watches, um, that they've had uh, great success with. And you just see all these brands that have released all these just super desirable, cool looking sports watches, like in a pretty wide range of availability. I mean, like heck at the lower end, you have Seiko, which you can get um, steel sports watches at under a thousand dollars and people are buying them left and right. And you can go all the way, up to tens of thousands of dollars if you wanted to with let's say a Patek Philippe Aquanaut or a Nautilus or mm-hmm. a um the Alanga and Zona um their their new 
uh, sports watch the Odysseus, which is, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they're extremely difficult to get still. So, I mean, it just goes to show that level of interest in them because you don't see nearly as much interest in, let's say, precious metal watches. So it's definitely mm-hmm. kind of an interesting dynamic. What, what do you think, yeah. Dennis? I, I definitely think it's it's interesting. And um, I, I guess a lot... I feel like a lot of it has to do with the pandemic and, um, you know, people are just bored and they want something to wear and they, they, I feel like they want something that they can wear a lot. Um, because most of the time you're at home, you're in sweats, you're in your pajamas, whatever. Um, you know, you, you don't want to put on your dress watch. You don't want to put a watch on with like a leather strap, um, you know, you just want something that could go with anything with a t-shirt. Um, you could just, you know, put it on and you can go. So I, I think a lot of that has to do with, um, that demand increase. Um, I, you know, I feel like sport watches are always going to be in any way, uh, regardless of pre pandemic during pandemic or post pandemic. I think, you know, they're, they're, they're going to, they're here to stay. I don't think the trend is going to go away. Um, but, um, personally, I just find it kind of annoying, uh, as somebody, cause I don't have, you know, unlimited income. I, you know, I have to work, uh, and save money to buy the watches that I want. And even when I get to that point, I can't even get, you know, something that I, that I've been working towards. And I, you know, I think that's kind of annoying, you know, if it's, if it's difficult to get. I don't mind, but if it's impossible, then, you know, there's a, there's a problem there with, with the market or with the manufacturer. Um, because honestly it really shouldn't be like that. Um, if you have the money and you're willing to, you know, put a little bit of effort to purchase that watch, I think you deserve it. But, you know, say I wanted to get an Aquanaut, there's no way unless I wait, you know, forever. And who knows how long that, that forever will be. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, do you think sport watches are here to stay? You think that we're going to transition back to uh, more like precious metal watches? Um, what do you think? I mean, honestly, in the the mainstream, I'd say that they're definitely always going to be here to stay because realistically, most people don't have the the money to buy precious metal watches as nice as they mm-hmm. are, just because they're just so much more expensive yeah. to purchase. So. I feel like the sports models will always have a a place in the market, no matter what the the trends are, the market. So it's, and it's kind of curious with, when it comes to the higher level, like Patek Philippe, you have the, the, the CEO of Patek, uh, Terry Stern. He was talking about how he purposely is limiting the production of the stainless steel models and they don't want to make, more of them so you're always having that hyper Mm -hmm. uh demand for the aquanaut or the the nautilus which is not the case with other brands you don't hear like the ceos of other brands saying how they're going to purposely limit it whereas obviously you know with rolex they're extremely difficult to get but you don't have the ceo coming out and saying that so it's kind of curious that they're purposely doing that as like a as a ploy to just try and have that that built up demand yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> That's actually kind of crazy. So yeah, I, I was I was surprised when I heard that. I was like, wow. I was like, I'm surprised they would 
purposely do that. But I mean, I guess it makes sense considering how hot they are and how much they go for over on the uh, the secondary market. Yeah, yeah. I was looking at this graph. They said back in 2018, the Nautilus was averaging around like 40 grand, 40 grand. And right now it's it's like averaging 80, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. Oh. And the thing is that realistically, most people are not going to be buying that. So it definitely makes you wonder who's actually ponying up that kind of money over just to get their hands on something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I, I don't know where these numbers are coming from. I guess people are just putting them up and then other people are just following suit and then listing their watch for this amount. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's crazy, but, um, do you see any particular watches that released, um, maybe late last year or this year that you kind of see as being, you know, the ones to get? Um, I definitely say that the, um, the, the, these new Rolex releases of this, this mm-hmm. year, which was actually a, a big time surprise because no one thought that Rolex was actually going to release watches as of this year, but they surprised everyone with their September release. But mm-hmm. I'd say the majority of those watches are super hot and definitely watches mm-hmm. to to get. Although I will say that the Submariner is, is I mean, as cool of a watch it is, but it doesn't look that much different from the previous one so yeah i think that the the one with the biggest splash so to speak is the oyster perpetuals with those bright dials i mean it just fresh and it adds a lot more when someone's wearing that on their wrist especially like the turquoise or the yellow or the reds i mean those watches are real statement piece and i feel like that's definitely the hot watch now just because before you didn't really see people looking at the Oyster Perpetual that way, except for the the uh, white dial. That was a super hot one, but it's mm-hmm. it's kind of an interesting turn of events that now that's the hot hot yeah. watch because before it was usually always the sport models that were traditionally the hot model that was going for a lot more money in the secondary market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think this, the sub is is kind of played out. Uh, I feel like a lot of people have it. Um, people who aren't into watches have it, and you just see it all over Instagram, all over social media. And I love, like, I love the sub. It's it's a cool watch, but um, it, you just see so many people with it, you know. But it, I don't know. I would still get it though. <laughs> yeah, I would still get like a no date. Um, That'd be really cool if I can get a, a new one with the new movement. Yeah, I guess they, they don't call it the 911 of watches for no reason. <laughs> yeah. But do you do you think that there's any um trends coming into the start of uh 2021 that, that you think we might uh, start to see? I think that stainless steel is here to stay, and I think it's gonna stay for the year. But I think if the pandemic is um, is still going on, I think people are going to transition to uh, precious metals. I think people are going to go back to gold, um, white gold, maybe, uh, you know, platinum and stuff like that. that's like really expensive. But I think people are going to transition over to precious metals, in my opinion. I don't think dress watches or... Um, 
you know, any other type of watch besides of a sport watch will uh, be hot this year. Um, I think sport watches will still be hot, but I think you'll see a rise in precious metal uh, prices like white gold subs, white gold Daytonas, you know, stuff like that, or platinum Daytonas and, and whatnot. So um, I feel like people are, are going to get bored of steel and then they're they're going to want to transition to something else a little bit more special and a little bit different than what everybody ha- else has, um, you know, especially last year with the new releases and, and everything. People are going to want something that's a little bit different. They want something that is... Um, I guess uh, more subtle, like a like a, the same watch but a different material, you know. Um, but that's kind of what I see. Uh, I hope dress watches do come back though, because I I really love a you know clean dial watch with a leather strap. I think they look really good. But um, if you're just wearing a t-shirt all day, I just don't think that's the move to <laughs> to wear that. Um, but yeah, that's what I what I think for this year. Yeah, I totally, I totally, totally agree. I mean, it's definitely when you're in isolation like that, there comes to a point like where you kind of get sick of what you have been wearing and you want to change things up. And definitely the precious metals are definitely the, that way to go, especially if you do have the, the money to be able to spend to get that additional. And there is that extra added specialness to having a precious metal because not most people are not going to have that. Yeah. 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 So um, yeah, I, I think precious metal sport watches are going to be the thing. Uh, I think gold's going to come back. I think two tone is going to come back. Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely, um, you definitely, you see like in all things, you see like trends circle, circle back around again. So what was old is new, that kind of thing. So I could definitely see that. I mean, it was definitely very big in the eighties, the two, the two tones. So I can definitely see that coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think once the stainless models are going to be really hard to get, people are, um, people are going to want the two tone alternative. And I think those will be in demand, uh, eventually. So. Yeah. It's definitely, a, it's definitely a cool, cool look. I mean, it's not really my, my taste, but I mean, I, I, I can definitely see, uh, wearing that like as a special occasion type thing or if you just want to change things up kind of thing yeah 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 and i i think you could it, it's wearable it's not a full gold watch you still have some steel elements and um i, I think it i think it can be pretty sharp if you you know, wear it correctly yeah for sure it's um it's one of those kind of things where you definitely have to have a, a certain amount of um confidence uh, and what you're wearing to pull it off because uh, I hate to say it, but some people do tend to assume things about you if they see you wearing all gold yeah. <laughs> in your face kind of watch. So you definitely have to be kind of prepared for people saying things or people assuming things about you. But I mean, like if you can pull it off, then I say go for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's cool. It's cool. And, um, uh, a recent trend that I, I've actually been seeing all over social media, and I've participated in, in a few of them, um, are these like watch raffles. I don't know if uh, you've seen them on Instagram, but a lot of these random companies, there's one based out of UK, um, that they do these raffles off these like really hype watches, like the Batman, um, you know, Root Beer and, and, uh, uh, I think they had a, 
what do they have? Oh, they just put up a Hulk, I think, for Raffle. And I'm seeing not just them. There's a few other companies out there that are doing that. So uh, I feel like that Raffle mentality is kind of in right now. I know some YouTubers are doing it with their cars. Um, you know, you, you buy their merch and then it gives you a certain number of tickets to enter into the raffle. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's pretty cool. Like, you know, you, you put in a hundred dollars and you're able to uh, win a, you know, a Rolex or something like that. I think it's a, a pretty cool thing. And I've never seen it before until, you know, like three months ago. Um, so I think it's a really cool, um, really cool idea. Yeah, I've, I've seen, um. I've seen what the watch box, the big pre-owned um, mm-hmm. retailer owned by Gobber Jewelers do that before on their uh, Instagram and I think their other social media accounts. And they've, you can definitely tell they drum up a lot of interest in the company. So it definitely is a, mm-hmm. a great marketing uh, tool and also uh, gets people looking at the site for their other watches. And obviously you have the hype of trying to win that yeah watch and it's definitely a definitely a uh, great trend forward i would say yeah it's it's cool and i think it's a great business idea um because you end up profiting a good amount over what you would normally if you were to just sell the watch uh straight to uh individual or dealer um so i i think i think it's pretty cool yeah and i think also like the social aspect of watches because traditionally speaking it's kind of a singular Mm-hmm. hobby that you enjoy by yourself but you have all these um communities that allow you to enjoy it with uh other fellow washington so it's definitely a, ni- a nice thing especially now yeah yeah do you see a lot more of that uh you know because of the pandemic you know like people posting on forums and uh obviously instagram i see a lot of uh, watch content now but um i don't know if you follow any forums or something do you see an increase um in uh, I guess like popularity for that. Well, I've definitely noticed on the um, the the watch website, uh, Hodinky, mm-hmm. you, you see like a, on a lot of their um, the posts that they do. They they have like a, a I think they call it their Hodinky community, where you can sign up and do and make comments on their posts, and it's kind of cool because you see the Hodinky um, contributors and the editors interacting with the uh community so it's kind of cool kind of cool to see that dialogue back and forth because traditionally you could never really talk with those editors and things like that so it's kind of cool that you can actually talk with them and kind of have a dialogue uh so it's cool that the community has been able to get involved with that which is not something that would have happened before yeah no that's true and uh you you had a zoom call right with um uh, a few pretty prominent people uh, I don't know if you want to touch on that real quick. Yeah, sure. So it was a um, it was a New York City based uh, watch watch club. I think there was members from all over the the country, but they had Ben Clymer of uh, Hodinkee, and then also it was Cole Pennington, and they were on the call. And it was pretty interesting because um, Cole was talking about I think it was the watches from the the cold of the this story that he brought to life about this uh, Vietnam uh, veteran that had lost this this um, this watch in this uh, pretty horrific um, fight uh, battle in uh, during Vietnam, and it was kind of the story 
of bringing that um, watch story to to life on the pages of uh, Hodink, and I'm not sure where else, but it was a very interesting conversation and kind of seeing the community interest, especially with all these these watch uh, collectors and enthusiasts. So it was pretty cool uh, to see yeah. that because I'd never been a part of a a, um, a, cl- a watch club like that before. So it was definitely made me uh, interested in maybe in joining one one day. Yeah, that's super cool. And uh, you got to meet Ben too. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, like I always, I just watch like talking watches and stuff on you know YouTube, but um, that's really cool that you got to meet all those guys. Yeah, thanks. It's definitely uh, definitely is a nice um, benefit now that now during the uh, pandemic that you can actually interface with all these people, even though you're not in person. Because I mean, obviously, it would be super cool to be able to go to some of these events because sometimes they i forget how many times a month but they have like they meet up at a a bar or a club in new york city Mm -hmm. um and obviously that that would be the preferable way to do it to obviously meet everyone in person and see their watches and you can uh hold them and just just see them so i mean obviously that's a preferable way to do it but it's definitely cool that you can have this as a secondary way of enjoying that and, and uh, talking with uh, your fellow enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's super cool. Do you have any, any more of those coming up or? Um... Not that I'm aware of. Um, mm-hmm. Have you uh, uh, heard, uh, heard, heard of any that you've uh, seen at all? Not really. Not really. I'm uh, I've been, I just been watching a lot of YouTube on uh on watches and you know the new releases and stuff like that but um that would be really cool you know one day if i can um definitely connect with some people at you know a watch club or um you know some event like that that'd be really cool just to meet people and uh just learn from them because uh, i'm still learning and uh you know i i try to absorb as much as i can um and uh with with you like explaining escapement and and stuff like that it's it's like really interesting um and it's definitely something i have to just keep looking at over and over and over um because it's not going to stick with me you know one time um but it's definitely super cool so uh just been watching a lot of youtube uh you know the new speedy came out so i've been watching a lot of videos on that um, like comparisons to the, the previous, uh, previous release and stuff like that. So that's, that's awesome. And the, the one nice thing that with the watch community and things like that is that you can always keep learning and it's like a never ending, um, uh, way to educate yourself and learn more about it. So that's the cool thing is that there's never a, an end point. Like I've learned this much now I'm done. You can always learn more. So that's the fun of it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess do you, last year, did you see an increase of um, people who are starting to get into watches? You know, people who are uh, maybe they bought their first nice watch last year and, uh, you know, they're trying to post about it. Um, I don't know if you've seen, you know, any any uh, increase in, I guess, you know, uh, taking up watches as a hobby last year. I mean, per- per- personally, I haven't notice that too much but i mean like i've definitely seen that sites like hodinky have definitely been getting a lot of interest in in general just because you see um 
that more into the mainstream now. And also there's so many like publications like watch time. So there's definitely a lot more because mm-hmm. Assange, you see like editorials, like in the New York times where they have like, like some, some of the editors from Hodink, he liked contributing to a post. So there's definitely a lot more of that in the mainstream. So I feel like that's definitely contributing, contributing to more people getting curious about watches and wanting to delve more into them. And then obviously you have all the, watch youtubers that are contributing that to that as well because people are maybe doing a search like on a watch that they're interested and then they go down the rabbit hole and they like watch all the videos and read the articles on them so i mean it's kind of a cool way for people to get introduced to the hobby learn what they like what they don't like so i mean i feel like that even though i haven't personally seen anything that i mean like it seems like it's a very friendly way to get into it because i mean i I can remember when i first got started i mean there was nothing like that i mean it's Mm -hmm. grown so much in the past i would say probably 10 20 years i mean it's been such a huge growth in the community yeah yeah and there's so much information out there that you can just research by yourself Mm -hmm. um i i get i guess um i don't know i have a question do you think there's some type of um you know, like or OG watch people, do they, do you think there's some type of, um, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, the, my question. Do you think they kind of look at the new people who are getting into watches a, a certain way? You know, how, um, you know, a lot of people have been brought up with social media, like people our age, um, in their early twenties, they, they just see this like, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, date just with the Jubilee. And then you see like all, all the, the flashy advertising and marketing, and then they kind of like get into that kind of watch. I don't know if you see, um, I don't know what you think about all of that, you know, getting into watches that way rather than, um, kind of like organically getting into it. Maybe your father, grandfather had a watch and then you kind of got interested, interested in that, um, you know, rather than just seeing, you know, some type of post on Instagram, I don't know what, what you think about that. I mean, I feel like that's definitely a major contributing factor to people getting into is interested in that these days, especially if you don't have a family member that has a watch or they have the, the interest. Cause if you're generally inclined towards mechanical things or mm-hmm. how things work, then you might have that interest. And then if you see like a post or something like that, then that could definitely make that person interested in one, want to go down the rabbit hole and and explore the different types of watches out there. So, I mean, I feel like there's definitely, um, it's definitely opened up a whole nother Avenue for new people in the, the hobby. And I've definitely noticed it seems like people are definitely a lot more open to younger people, getting into it because that's how the hobby grows and it, it expands more if you allow um all different uh people from all walks of life to get interested in it and no, no matter what kind of um money that they have to spend on watches because everyone can enjoy it at, at all the different price points yeah no that's true and, th- and that's cool that that you, you see that because um i typically see the opposite in car culture <laughs> Um, you know, if you go to like a cars and coffee and you see, 
um, you know, you have like the the older guys, they have their Corvette and they have um, they have the lawn chair set up <laughs> and it, it's just like, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's cool. Like, I, you know, I understand where that where they're coming from. But as like a younger guy or a younger kid, if you're really into, say, like um, older American muscle or, or older American cars, um, that, you know, that person is definitely is that is 50 plus, you know, they have jean shorts, they have <laughs> their their white tube socks. And it's like really hard for somebody that's young, I feel like, to get accepted into a community like that um, because of their age. You know, and uh, I, I kind of see that in, in car culture, especially older, you know, American cars. I feel like um, it, it's, uh, you know, if you're younger and you're trying to get into it, you're kind of uh, looked down upon, you know, and I uh, hope I'm not offending anybody. But, um, you know, I hope you understand what I mean. Yeah. Have you, have you noticed like certain brands that are more open to younger uh, car enthusiasts? Yeah, I I definitely feel like the um, you know uh, cheaper brands I think are uh, usually uh, something like a the Honda uh, real hardcore Honda people. They're usually you know ranging from our age all the way up to you know sixties and seventies, and I think something like that is really cool. Um, typically, those guys who are older who are into Hondas, they they you know, usually transition to something else. So they would start with like maybe a Honda Civic SI when they were younger. And then they, they transitioned maybe to like an M3. Then they transitioned to uh, like Porsche, for example. But at the end of the day, they're still, you know, they still love Honda. They still love their, you know, um, their old Civic. And I think something like that is, is just really cool. Um, because, uh, as a younger guy, you, you can't buy a Porsche. So, you know, your dream car would be, you know, maybe less than $20,000, maybe less than $10,000. Um, and I think if you have a cool car in that range, uh, a cool Honda, maybe a cool, um, you know, uh, older, like a 99 civic or something. Um, and I think, older guys who are into Hondas will definitely appreciate that um, just as much as, you know, somebody who's 20 and they just bought that car. Um, so I, I think, you know, these, these cheaper brands like Honda, I think the, they're uh, the person that's really into Honda is a, uh, it's a great community. I feel like, um, I don't you know with Porsche, I feel like it's, it's a hit or miss. Yeah, it's a lot <laughs> more exclusive. Know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people, um, uh, uh, people are, I feel like the, the Porsche person is, is, is either very, very relaxed, very, you know, um, you know, they, they're, they can go with anything, but there's also the really like, you know, the hard edged, uh, Porsche person who, you know, they want things this way and it has to be, you know, uh, you know, certain, I don't know, certain options. It has to be, their car has to be, you know, maintained a certain way. And uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but I, I just think when you're trying to accept younger people into your community, you have to be more open-minded. And I, I feel like a majority of Porsche or like very hardcore o Porsche owners aren't that way. Um, but um, 
I think it'll change. You know, you see younger people buying these nice cars all the time. Um, so definitely there's going to be a, a shift there. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to, you know, bring up or um, anything you, else you wanted to mention? Um, nothing I can think of. I mean, I think that's probably a good way to put a uh, a bow in the show. I guess we could each say some uh, last uh, um, comments and then we could uh, put a bow on it. Okay, sounds good. Um, well, I, I think that wraps up our first episode. Um, uh, you know, we had a good time here. We covered uh, watches. We kind of gave a brief introduction about ourselves. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to all of you guys soon. And um, thank you again for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys. And uh, hope to talk to you soon.